Welcome into a Friday. Hope you made it through the week good. I know I did. You're listening into the Locked On Golden Gopher podcast. I'm Nate Dickinson here with you every weekday to keep you up to date on everything going on with the Golden Gophers. Coming up on today's show, we're of course going to recap everything that happened yesterday in the Minnesota-Purdue game. A big win for the Gophers and another big shot for Marcus Carr. All that coming up in a minute. And also later on today, we've told you plenty about the Locked On Today podcast, one of our new podcasts on the network. If it won't, if you won't go to it, we will bring it to you. We'll give you an episode from yesterday that actually ran as part of our uh, Locked On podcast networks. Hear from Peter Bukowski, the host of Locked On Today, and get a little bit of a taste of what that show is all about. Same stuff we do here. Everything you need to know, not just about the Gophers, but in all of sports in 20 minutes or less. And it's a good one. They'll have a little Vikings talk as well on the program that you'll hear. A little bit of a sneak peek into Locked On Today to end our program and wrap up the week. Before we get into the recap of Minnesota-Purdue, though, a look at everything going on around the Gophers today. Again, the final score, Minnesota does defeat number 24 Purdue in men's basketball today, 71-68. to Yesterday, I should say. It was the second win in a row for the Gophers after losing 5 of 6 in the Big Ten. And if you were watching, I don't have to tell you, Marcus Carr, with just under 15 seconds to play, hit a big bank in three to win the game for the Gophers it ended up being. But at the time, go ahead for Minnesota. The women's team also won on Wednesday, beat Illinois 83-73 to in case you missed it. Sarah Scalia led the way with 20 points for the Lady Gophers. In other Gopher news, former Minnesota Gopher football player Nick Rallis has been hired in the NFL. He's now the linebacker coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, best of luck to Nick. And happy anniversary to P.J. Fleck, head coach of the Gophers, celebrating five years of marriage as he tweeted out yesterday. Happy anniversary to coach. On the Gopher Sports schedule for today, the track teams, both men and women's, are on the road in Iowa at Iowa City for the Hawkeye Big Invitational. A whole bunch of Big Ten teams will be there. The wrestling team may have already gotten underway or finished, depending on when you're listening to this. Their matchup at Wisconsin starts up at 10 a.m. on your Friday. Big matchup for the Gopher hockey teams this weekend. The number two women's hockey team is on the road at number four Ohio State for two matches that start up today at four. And the men's hockey team is at Notre Dame. And since they're playing Notre Dame, that game will be televised nationally on NBC Sports if you wanted to watch it. Gopher hockey against the Fighting Irish starts up at 6.30 p.m. today. They'll, of course, play tomorrow as well. Before we get into everything that happened with the Purdue-Minnesota game last night, I want to start the conversation on the matchup by giving you a little bit of an I told you so. We talked about last week about how Marcus Carr had been criticized for not putting up the right shots against Rutgers down the stretch. If you'll remember last week, it was a four-point loss for Minnesota at the hands of the Scarlet Knights. Again, Minnesota fans thought Minnesota should be able to win. I mean, Minnesota's beaten plenty of better teams in the Big Ten. It was on the road, of course, and Minnesota struggled there. But there was a lot of criticism in the last minute of play of Marcus Carr trying to do too much. And you can't disagree with it if you watch the game. Last minute, minute and a half, Marcus Carr just wasn't the passing the ball around. He was trying to make shots for himself, and it didn't turn out well, as we obviously know now. The four-point loss to the Gophers. And I saw all sorts of tweets. Why isn't Marcus Carr passing that ball off? Why isn't he looking for the better shot? Yes, he runs the offense, but he can't be doing that. My I told you so is basically just that you got to be careful what you wish for here. I told you last week, you can't ask Marcus Carr to be the guy who does it all, but then when it comes to the end of the game, 
not have him be selfish. It's part of what makes him the best basketball player on this team, one of the best basketball players in the Big Ten. He's going to try and take over at times. Sometimes it'll end in four-point losses to Rutgers where you're wondering, how is this guy the leader of this team? He just isn't running the offense well, and he wasn't that last minute. He tried to take over, as he did for a lot of that second half against Rutgers, which, mind you, if he hadn't taken over during the middle stretch of that second half against Rutgers, Minnesota wouldn't have been in any sort of position to win that game at the end. Anywho, the point is, you cannot criticize Marcus Carr for taking the bad shot against Rutgers and then give him the same praise for making a bad shot against Purdue. Let's be honest. The three he made to put Minnesota ahead off the bank was not a good shot. Off balance, top of the key, same thing he did against Rutgers. Just tried to make a shot for himself. Only difference was, yesterday against Purdue in the last minute, the shots went in. This is Marcus Carr's job, to be the guy who goes out there and wins games for Minnesota. Yes, praise him as much as he deserves for being able to make all the shots that he makes against Rutgers, against Loyola Marymount early, early in the season. This is your primetime player. And when he tries to make primetime plays, it's not fair for him to for, to for you to go on Twitter and then tweet out, oh, well, Marcus Carr tried to do too much. You can't have it both ways like that. He either is the guy who does it all for Minnesota, which he is and what he needs to be, or he's the guy who passes the ball away at the end of the game when the game's closed. You want Marcus Carr taking that shot. I know you do. And if he had gotten a better one off against Rutgers, you probably wouldn't have complained as much then. But I was furious about it then, and I'm still mad about it now. Because this guy has done everything for this team. And then when he tries to do everything and it doesn't work out, the fans turn against him like that with the snap of a finger. You have to be more supportive of your superstars through the lows for them to appreciate you when things are going well, like they are right now for the Gophers. We'll talk about everything that went on last night between Minnesota and Purdue, not just the shots that Marcus Card took at the end to win it in just a moment here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. But first, you already know about Built Bar if you've listened to the podcast at all. They're the protein bar that has all sorts of different kinds of supplements and all sorts of delicious flavors for you. One of those things that kind of separates them from all the other ways that you get your protein nowadays. But they've got a new flavor to tell you about too. If you liked the Cookie Dough Chunk Built Bar, then you're going to love the Coconut Brownie Chunk. It's dark chocolate, coconut, and real brownie chunks. It doesn't get any better in a protein bar, and they keep it healthy for you too. Each one of these new flavor bars is 150 calories, 15 grams of protein in them, and only 7 grams of sugar. This is a new limited flavor, coconut brownie chunk. So if you've liked trying out the flavors from Built Bar, get it today. They could be gone by tomorrow. Also, I've already told you about Bet Online too. They're the official partner here for Locked On for anything betting. Any line that you may hear us talk about, it's coming from Bet Online. So if you want to bet it, go over to betonline.ag and get your bets in on Gophers or anything else. We actually just got an email in from Bet Online this week. New updated national championship odds for Gopher basketball are plus eight thousand so if you want to make 80 bucks for every one dollar you bet when the gophers win it all in march or i guess it would be early april you can go bet on that now at plus eight thousand odds at betonline.ag they'll also give you a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit if you tell them that locked on sent you use the promo code locked on no spaces just locked on for 50 percent a match on your welcome bonus first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. 
welcome back to the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're breaking down everything that happened yesterday between Minnesota and Purdue. A big win for the Gophers. 71-68 the final score. If you were watching it, you already know. Marcus Carr with the game-winning three-pointer off the glass with just under 15 seconds left to play on a Thursday. Helps Minnesota improve to 6-7 and seven in the Big Ten. Also gets the Gophers a much-needed win over a ranked team after Minnesota had dropped five of six before beating Nebraska earlier this week. Let's break down everything that happened between Minnesota and Nebraska, but first, we've got you covered on everything you need to know about the Gophers. But what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. You can subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts right now. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you can probably find Locked On Today in just a couple of clicks. We'll also give you a bit of a preview of what the podcast's all about in our closing segment. Instead of talking more gophers, we're going to get you Peter Bukowski and everything going on in sports today with a look at the episode that they aired actually yesterday and give you a bit of a preview of what that's all about. So if you like it, you can hear it here in just a minute, then go give them a follow as well. Because it really is, just like you do here with the gophers, everything you need in all of sports in just a couple of minutes. Again, that's coming up in just a little bit here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. We will end with a preview of Locked On today, so I'll stop talking about it now. Let's get into everything that happened last night between Minnesota and Purdue. First, as I always do, I just wanted to go down some of my game notes as I was taking early on in this matchup. First off, Gabe Kalsher and Brandon Johnson. Early on and consistently, it turned out being, but I wrote down the note early on, we're just filling up the stat sheet. I think it was midway through the first half. Johnson had like five and five rebounds, and Kalsher had six points with four boards to his name as well. And it was a performance from both of those guys that I guess didn't stick out to me, but was something where I saw both of them playing well. I was like, okay, this means the Gophers could have a pretty good game because we know Marcus Carr is going to do his thing. If they can get what ended up being 16 points out of Kalsher and 15 more out of Brandon Johnson— You don't need that much more offense, and Minnesota didn't get it. Liam Robbins had 11, but aside from that, nobody else outside of Jamal Mashburn scored more than two points. It was 16, 19, 15, and 11 for the four starters for Minnesota who hit double digits, and that's great because you need that kind of a spread-out scoring offense not to win in the Big Ten. We've seen Minnesota win with Gabe Kalsher having miserable shooting days or Brandon Johnson just not being able to find it, or at points where it seemed like Marcus Carr was the only guy who could score the basketball on the court. You don't need everyone to be able to win in the Big Ten. You need to have everybody there to be able to do anything consistently in any of college basketball, though. And when you're looking at the month of February and you're looking into the part of the season where you really need to start having it all figured out, Having those kind of performances from the guys who are going to be the supporting cast behind Marcus Carr is just as important as having Marcus Carr himself being able to play well. Because when it comes to tournament time, we've talked about it before, college basketball is not a forgiving sport. College basketball is a sport where one bad night ends your season, either literally as in you're in a tournament and the season's over, or even in the regular season, even in a game in February. If you lose the right game, It could end your chances of reaching whatever your goals are. NCAA tournament, a conference championship, even if you just want to make it to the postseason if you're some sort of mid-range, mid-major school. One game can finish it. And being able to have that kind of performance out of Gabe Kalsher and Brandon Johnson and Marcus Carr all at the same time is encouraging going into the back end of a season. 
you don't expect all these guys to have it together in November. And they didn't. Remember, this team almost lost to Loyola Marymount. But right now, it seems like Minnesota's starting to get it together. And this may be the most complete game I saw out of the Gophers all season individually. As a team, things weren't great. Team still went on a cold stretch. It was uh, at a point, I think, one for its last seven or eight from the field, while also one of its last nine from three-point range. Minnesota was able to straighten that out, and that's another one of the notes I took, was that through a first half that wasn't always the cleanest, the Gophers stayed in it, right? Minnesota could have easily let Purdue go into halftime with some sort of a big lead. Instead, the Gophers cut it down to two at the half. And while Purdue was leading most of the second half as well, Minnesota stayed in it. That's the sign of a good basketball team, one that cannot do everything right and still be able to win games. Minnesota fought in this one. It was a back-and-forth matchup in which neither team really, really pulled ahead. And that's what brings me to, I guess, my final point, not on the individuals, but just as the team as a whole. We talked about it last week, how last year's team was not able to win close games at all, and especially at the end of the season in February. And we talked about how Rutgers made it feel like this team was the same as that last year's team. Minnesota was close throughout. It was playing a team that... Minnesota fans at least thought it could and should beat in Rutgers last week, but just didn't pull out the win. It was something we saw so many times in the spring of 2020, and it started to show its face again at the start of the 2021 home stretch. But then Minnesota came out and got this win against Purdue yesterday, which isn't going to secure any sort of NCAA tournament bid for the Gophers. It really doesn't even shift things all that much. It's a ranked win against a team. It, it's a team... It's a win against a ranked team, as I unscramble my words. So those are always valuable. But the question is, do you feel like this team's back on track to you? It got the win it needed. And that's more than you could say about what last year's team was doing. It could not get one of these games where it was close near the end. And the Gophers needed to pull out a couple of clutch plays. It just seemed like they were never there. Marcus Carr seems to be the guy who has that clutch gene in him this season for the Gophers. Or at least so far when the Gophers have needed a big shot. So I'm happy with that. I'm happy that the Gophers seem to have found the ability to close out games in a way they hadn't at all last season. I'm happy Marcus Carr seems to be that guy. But as far as looking to what this team's problems have been, does last year change anything? Or I'm sorry, does last night change anything? The Gophers still haven't won on the road. That's something that's a big problem. I don't know how that translates to playing on a neutral site in Indianapolis for the Big Ten and then hopefully NCAA tournaments, but I I do think the Gophers could use a road win. (laughs) That would be nice, a road win in the Big Ten. And also, Purdue didn't shoot all that well either. It made just two of its 17 threes, and from the field was all right, but there were definitely a situation where if Minnesota just gives up a couple of more shots. Obviously, in a one-possession game, Purdue can easily win this one, but you can't expect the Boilermakers to be 2 of 17 from 3 every game. You can't expect any team in the Big Ten to be that poor from 3 in any game. So, while it's a win, while it's a close win that I know Minnesota fans and the Minnesota team could have desperately used for both NCAA tournament hopes and just team morale, as far as the problems with this team goes, I don't know if any of those have gone away. I don't feel any better about this team's struggles than I did before. Liam Robbins got through an entire first half without having to worry about fouls. That's great. He also finished the game with four fouls again. That's not so great. That means he picked up four in a pretty much big hurry. But he played 30 minutes, so I'm not unhappy about it. I'm just worried about it going forward. Minnesota was able to defend pretty well against Purdue. It was part of the reason why they shot so poorly from three. But again, you can't expect a team to shoot that poorly 
at all the rest of the season or, or against any really college basketball team. Two of 17 isn't going to happen. So the win's a win, and it gets you to six and seven. It gets you safely in the NCAA tournament still, or more safely, I should say. But it's not a game where if Minnesota's going on the road to a good team next in the schedule or whatever the next best team Minnesota goes on the road for, going into that game, I'm not feeling any more confident because of the win yesterday. You know, this team still hasn't proven it can win on the road. There are players who still haven't proven that they can contribute consistently. Gabe Kalsher had a good game. He short shot really poorly at times this season. But I'm feeling better just about the team as a whole, I guess. Some of the questions I had when the team was losing five of six in a row are now gone away. I don't know if the team's good enough to be able to really compete with everybody in the Big Ten when it matters most, but I do now know the team, I think, is better than last year's team and will at least be able to go through February and the start of March with a little bit more comfort as far as the NCAA tournament goes than last year's team did. I guess that's what the win did for me. It stopped the landslide where, you know, you beat Nebraska to snap that losing streak. That's all fine, but Nebraska's at the bottom of the Big Ten. This was the first win for the Gophers against another good team in the Big Ten that they can hang their hat on and say, all right, losing five out of six, that was tough, but it's not who we are. I guess that's what it proved to me more than anything. That the team we saw against Rutgers, the team we saw losing five of six games in the Big Ten, that's not who the Gophers are. They're starting to climb back out and hopefully going to be able to figure it out really well as we get into the home stretch here. Coming up in just a minute, we're going to give you the Locked On Today podcast from Thursday, I believe it is, just to give you a little bit of a preview of what that's all about. Locked On Today, one of our new podcasts here on the Locked On Podcast Network that tries to do what we do here with the Gophers, but with all of sports in 20 minutes or less. You'll hear about all of it from Peter Bukowski in just a moment, so I'll stop talking about it now. But that's coming up to wrap up our show and the week. A look at the Locked On Today podcast here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast as well. Before we get to Pete over there with Locked On today, though, rockauto.com has everything that you need for your car. Literally everything. I mean, that could be the end of the ad right there. Whether you need a new part for a car that's just gone bad or or you want to tune something up or get an upgrade, you can go to a dealership or a part shop or something like that. But with so many makes and models out there nowadays, there's no guarantee that they're going to have what you want. And if they do have it, but anything's kind of hard to find, good chance they'll upcharge you a decent amount for it as well. Not over at rockauto.com, though. They've got every part that you need. It's like an eBay for auto parts. Everything you need, you make sure it's the right part. They'll make sure you're getting what exactly you need if you're not an expert on all this stuff. And they'll get it for you at the lower prices, too. It's like cutting out the middleman when it comes to getting your car parts. Go on over to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And let them know we sent you too, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we were the ones who directed you over there. Locked on today is coming up to wrap up our show here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. That means until next week, I'm Nate Dickinson. Roll the boat, Sky Uma, go Gophers. Wrapping things up here on Locked On Golden Gophers. Nate Dickinson with you only for a moment, though. I'm going to step aside and hand things off to Peter Bukowski. If you don't know, he is the host of Locked On Today, one of the newer podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network that we're really excited about and we want you to hear about, too. So Locked On Today is going to end our episode this afternoon. So 
you can hear from Pete and everything that's going on in sports. We've told you about it before, but Locked On Today is the latest podcast on the network that's only 20 minutes long and everything you need to be prepared for the day in sports. Hosted by Peter Bukowski, who you'll hear from now, here's what you can expect from this show every day. Locked On Podcast Network and Radio.com present Locked On Today. The NBA and its players are on opposite sides of the All-Star game. Are the Jets the most interesting team in the NFL this offseason? Plus, can the Minnesota Vikings follow in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' footsteps? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and the biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. We haven't heard much about the NBA All-Star Game lately, which is likely headed to Atlanta in less than a month. What's going on with that? Maria Martin with our friends at 11 Alive Sports gives us an update. An NBA All-Star Game announcement seemed imminent, but as word circulated that the league was scrambling to put a game together, I think it's stupid. Player criticism arose. Reports stated that the league and the Players Association liked the idea of having the game, but the actual players, not so much. Still dealing with a, with a pandemic. We're still de- dealing with everything that's been going on. And we're going to bring the whole league into one city that's open. Obviously, you guys can see I'm not very happy about it. After LeBron's comments, no announcement, just murmurs of the league continuing to work out the details. The job for the union has been to try to make sure our players are healthy and safe. Chris Paul is the president of the NBA Players Association and advocated for an all-star game, and he's still working to make that happen. Different situations, you know, guys who've been playing a lot of games uh, who hadn't really had much of breaks. You know, guys look at that break as an opportunity to see their families. Television rights are what makes it too appealing for the league to give up. Last year's game saw a ratings increase of 8%, 7.3 million viewers. Ads sold out in record time in 2020, bringing in millions. We all know why we're playing it. Uh, you know, is money on the line. Just putting, putting money over health right now. There is no timeline for an announcement, but it's likely coming. It may not bring the same fanfare as a typical event, but for Trey Young, he says it would be an honor. It's a different opinion for me uh, than a lot of other guys who are flying in. And um, I understand both sides. 11 Alive has been on top of this from the start. They'll continue to update us. But for the latest, check them out at 11 Alive News and 11alive.com. I, for one, don't understand how someone like Chris Paul can say, hey, we care about our guys' safety, our players, that's what we're worried about, and then say, well, we need to play this exhibition game that doesn't actually matter in the standings. LeBron has it absolutely right. This is about the money. This is about protecting the Golden Goose. They can sell ads on it, so they're going to have a game, and that's just the reality of the situation that we are in. Coming up next, are the Jets the most interesting team in the NFL at least for a couple months. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. It took overtime, but the Lakers beat the Thunder 114 to 113. Wednesday night, LeBron James made a three with 19 seconds left in the fourth quarter to tie it at 105, then got the defensive rebound on the other end to send the game into overtime. The Phoenix Suns ended the Milwaukee Bucks' five-game win streak last night in a game that came down to the final seconds 
and a Giannis jumper at the buzzer that wouldn't go. Brendan Clean here with you from Locked On Phoenix Suns, coming to you live from Phoenix Suns Arena after a 125-124 victory by the Phoenix Suns over the Milwaukee Bucks, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. The Suns uh, come from a back and forth game and Devin Booker takes them home once again with some fourth quarter scoring. Gets to the free throw line off of an isolation on Chris Middleton late. But more than anything, this is the Suns offense that we talked so much about. They started off as a, as a strong defensive team. They came together defensively with Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges leading the way there. Now the offense is is really at its peak. I've been talking about it for days and, and on, on Locked on Suns, and here we are. Another magnificent performance, 125 points against this Bucks defense. Weathered the storm as Giannis got to the line, I think 20 or so times the refs were almost uh, using broken whistles, it felt like, with how consistently that call was there for Giannis Antetokounmpo, but no matter. The Suns come away with the victory in front of a arena full of fans, and. Uh, it's their fourth straight. They are now 15 and nine, heading up the Western Conference standings. And as I said, coming together as an offensive squad and really realizing their potential. For more on this team, follow Locked On Phoenix Suns wherever you listen to podcasts. The Timberwolves fell to the Clippers 119-112, but they did get Carl Anthony Towns back as he returned for his first game since contracting COVID-19. Towns played 31 minutes and scored 18 points. Towns, of course, lost multiple family members to the COVID-19 outbreak and has been outspoken about his difficult experience in the pandemic. Five WNBA teams combined to make five trades, including seven players and five draft picks on Wednesday, highlighted by Natasha Howard heading to the New York Liberty and the Dallas Wings landing the number one overall pick. The Seattle Storm lost two key contributors to their 2018 and 2020 title teams while reshaping the roster with a focus on younger talent that also involved the Minnesota Lynx and Phoenix Mercury. Nearly half the league's teams in all were involved in the transaction. Here is another story you need to know. Between new coach Robert Sala and the swirling Deshaun Watson rumors and as much cap space as any team in the league has in an offseason where a lot of teams are going to be cap crunched, the New York Jets just may well be the most intriguing team of the NFL offseason. John Butchko from Locked on Jets joins me now. And John, when you are looking at the big picture for this Jets offseason, do you have a number one priority list here on, on what they need to get accomplished moving forward? You know, Peter, it's difficult to say because the Jets just need pretty much everything right now. This was <laughs> it was a two and fourteen football team, and as you mentioned, there are going to be a lot of tools at the disposal of this team because they have cap space, and this is a unique year to have cap space. Most years, the salary cap goes up in the NFL, so even if you are among the league leaders in cap space everybody's got some money to spend. So you may, be, you may be able to get certain free agents, but you have to pay a lot for them. This is going to be the type of year where there are not going to be a lot of teams with money to spend. So your dollars will go further. But in addition to that, the Jets also have an extra first round pick and an extra third round pick from the Jamal Adams trade. So that's the good news. 
the Jets have a lot of resources to make their team better. But the bad news is they need a little bit of everything. Right. They've got a lot, but they need a lot. And that that creates some questions about priorities. So is there a price with Deshaun Watson that you would just say, look, that's too much. It's it's just too much. You know, the way I look at it is I don't think that you would ever say 15 years from now, oh, man, we shouldn't have given up that extra first round pick for Deshaun Watson. He's not (laughs) good. So I think it's more what are you trying to accomplish? Because if you can figure out that either a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields or, you know, maybe some other quarterback like a Trey Lance is going to be a franchise quarterback that might be the quicker way to contention because then you take the classic NFL strategy of getting the quarterback on the rookie deal and you have all these resources to build around them. With Watson, you're guaranteeing yourself stability, but he's going to come at the expense. First of all, he's going to take up a lot of the cap space that you've got. But second, he's going to take up a lot of the draft capital that you have. Now, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl over the next you know, 10 to 12 years, Deshaun Watson's probably the best starting point that you can have, but it's probably going to be a slower build, although it's a you know it's a lower risk because you know Deshaun Watson's going to be great. So the way I view it is not so much is this the right move or is it the wrong move? It's more which strategy do you want to take? Do you want to take the sure thing that maybe brings you stability quicker, but it would take a little bit longer to build up? the rest of the roster or are you looking for the home run right now to potentially have a talented young quarterback to build around and as many resources as any, as any team in the league to build around them it's not i think it's more which path do you want to take as much as it is is this the right move is that the wrong move the tampa bay buccaneers went from out of the playoffs to into the super bowl can the minnesota vikings take the same kind of leap and break their seeming franchise curse. That's our cue of the day next. Agree or disagree? This is the cue of the day. There's an old joke about the Vikings that you can't let them go near cereal because anytime they get near a bowl, they choke. But it was the case that the Buccaneers, for most of their franchise's existence, was a laughingstock. And so the Vikings... Could this be the time to follow the Bucks script to go from a below 500 team to not only into the playoffs, but into Super Bowl contention? Locked on Vikings, Luke Braun has how they could get that done. All right. So in 2019, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they go seven and nine in 2020. They go 11 and five, make it into the playoffs as a wild card and win the Super Bowl. So how can the Vikings do the same thing? Seven and nine in 2020. How can they turn 2021 into that promised year? They have a bunch of problems from 2020 that they have to solve and some from before 2020 that they have to solve before they can get to that kind of promised land. And I think the biggest one that ailed them in 2020 is that they were soft. They were soft up front on both sides of the ball, especially on the defense. And a lot of that had to do with 
some backups playing. They didn't have Michael Pierce because of a COVID-19 opt-out. They didn't have Daniel Hunter, who was injured. They didn't have Anthony Barr for most of the year, and they didn't have Eric Kendricks for a pretty decent chunk of the year as well. That'll hurt your run defense, but they were soft. They were able to be pushed around by pretty much whoever your the opposing guard was. It didn't have to be a good one. They were unable to, to hold their spots, to stay in their gaps, and a lot of times they would run themselves out of position anyways, leading to a lot of explosive rushes. Depending on how you define this, there were three games in the 2020 season where a rushing offense looked like an explosive passing offense against the Vikings. You can't let that happen. You have to be able to be a defense that you have to pass on to beat. And that wasn't true of the Vikings. You did not have to pass to beat the Vikings. You could have beat them on the ground entirely, and that is an outlier that you have to be able to fix. You can do that in a number of ways, through free agency, if you can figure out the cap, through the draft, just by virtue of getting a lot of players back from injury and otherwise, but you have to fix that softness problem. The other thing you have to do is deploy better coverage concepts, and the Vikings didn't have a lot of options around this because they started a bunch of young cornerbacks who couldn't get some of the more complex coverage rules down with no preseason or or at least a really truncated preseason, they were rookies getting used to the speed of the game. You saw that with Cameron Dantzler in 2020, who had an absolutely catastrophic first six games of his year. But then once the season kind of started to come around, he was able to do things like lock down Super Bowl winning wide receiver Mike Evans and had one of his better games against those Buccaneers. He locked down uh, Robbie Anderson and a whole bunch of players near the end of the season had a, a much better time. And Jeff Gladney also got better as the season went along. So you have to continue that and also also be able to kind of trust those players a little bit more. You can ask them to do a little bit more man coverage, some more complex coverage rules that allow uh, Mike Zimmer and his defense to come up with some more complex ways to counter the infinitely complex things that offenses are going to throw at them. And on the offensive side, though the offense was pretty good, you have to fix the offensive line. This is something that Vikings fans have been crowing about since like 2014, but there were 19 sacks, at least according to Pro Football Focus, that were only the fault of guards. You have to fix the guard situation. Dakota Dozier is not an acceptable starter, and a rookie left tackle in Ezra Cleveland playing at right guard is not acceptable either. You have to find a better strategy than that going into the 2021 season. What's interesting here is they could follow a lot of what the Bucks did last season if you hit on one or two draft picks. The Buccaneers, they add Tristan Wirfs in the first round. They add Antoine Winfield Jr., Coincidentally, a former Vikings player's son in the second round, and that catapults them further. Those are the missing pieces, so to speak, along with guys like Vita Vea, Devin White, Mike Evans, and, and first-round picks they've accumulated over a long period of losing. The Vikings haven't been picking in the top 10, in the top 15, but they have gotten some elite talent, guys like Justin Jefferson, and we saw last year Jeff Gladney, Cam Dantzler, they are guys who played well for stretches last season. If you can get that year two leap out of some of these guys and then add a rookie or two in this draft, figure out the cap and get some of that stuff is not going to be easy to navigate. But the Vikings have been doing it the last few years under some difficult conditions. They could be right back in the mix. I don't think it's likely. I think when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, that caps your ceiling in a way that well, let's be honest, Tom Brady's doesn't, but Kirk Cousins has shown that he can win some of these big games. He's won some playoff games for the Vikings here, and so could he get really red hot in the playoffs with Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and an offensive line that's a little bit better? Yeah, I think he could. I just don't think it's likely, and they still have 
the Packers in their own division, who they don't seem likely to pass. And finally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers held a boat parade Wednesday to celebrate their Super Bowl championship. At one point during the parade, Tom Brady was captured on video tossing the Lombardi Trophy from his boat across the water to where a shirtless Cameron Brait made the catch and brought wild cheers from fans and players. That was the best catch of my life, Brait said. Unbelievable. That was the best catch of my life. If I had dropped that, I think I would have had to retire. Just imagine if Tom Brady had missed the throw. I guess he's got plenty back home. He's got he's got six spares, so he he could have found a replacement, I think, there. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Listen to Locked on Bets, download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on Friday, can the Chargers do what the Bucks did and land themselves the Super Bowl in their home stadium just like Tampa Bay? At least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.